Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Growing Woman podcast. My name is Christina Singh, and I am your host. And this show is all about sharing women's stories and women's voices and uplifting and empowering women's voices and stories. This week is another solo episode. So over the past couple of months, I've been sharing my journey of being pregnant, giving birth, and raising a newborn during COVID-19. And now I want to dive into uh, the second part of postpartum for me. Uh, If you haven't listened to part one, go ahead and do that. That would be awesome. I so appreciate everyone listening to these episodes and giving me your experiences, talking about these subjects more openly. I feel like it is so important to do so and I'm sharing because I wish I would have known a lot of this before I went into this period of my life and I just feel like it's really, really important that people who are giving birth know what goes into it and what happens after you give birth, um, during pregnancy, before pregnancy, during birth, after birth, all of that. I just feel like it's super important for all of us to know so um, we can be as educated as possible before making any decisions in our life Um, and so we can support each other as much as possible during these uh, periods of life. I firmly believe that it is just absolutely crazy that we're not talking about these subject matters more in school and what happens during this time uh, to women's bodies and their mental health. And um, I think I mentioned this in the last episode, I can't remember, but I'm 33 and I didn't know a lot of this stuff. (laughs) And I have friends who are older that have no idea um, what I'm talking about when I mention what I've gone through uh, during the postpartum period or during pregnancy and birth. So I just feel like you know, uh, this is a time where we can have open dialogue about these things. And I wanted to continue that uh, in this episode to talk about, um, you know, more about my postpartum anxiety and my mild postpartum depression and talk about newborn care, because that was a huge thing during this period of time, obviously. Um, And something that I feel like a lot of people have a lot of stereotypes around, but might not know exactly kind of what goes into everything. Um, and if you're hearing things in the background, I live in Brooklyn, New York. I'm not in a recording studio. I wish I had kind of more of a professional setup um, to block out some noise, but I don't. So sorry if you're hearing some stuff in the background, but such is life. Uh, so I, um, you know, I want to pick up where I left off. So where I left off was I um, had, I've developed really pretty intense postpartum anxiety after birth, and I am now taking medication for that. And I uh, know a lot of people are afraid to take medication um, if they're breastfeeding, um, and that is totally your decision. I am still breastfeeding, and I am on antidepressants um, slash anti-anxiety medication. Um, I did my research, and a very low, low, low amount passes through the breast milk. Um, and I was comfortable with that and there have been tons of studies done. Um, but if you're not go ahead, but, um, all I ask is that you don't shame people for that decision. Uh, if somebody is going through 
a mental health um, journey and if they're going through postpartum anxiety and depression in they're reaching out for help and they've decided to take medication that is their journey and their decision and that is what they need in this moment and for me that is what i needed and it has made such a huge difference for me uh, just being able to talk to somebody and to have support through medication i have noticed a difference my husband has noticed a difference as well so that has been huge for me so if you are thinking about that i am more than happy to talk to you about my experience um, in more detail off you know this show if you want to talk to somebody who um, has been there and gone through this process. Uh, For me, it's been a very positive experience and um, I'm really grateful that I reached out to help for help. Sorry. Um, I'm really grateful that I reached out for help for um, for this because it's been, you know, really great for me. So let's get into bringing my baby home from his second hospital visit um, after his birth. Uh, If you didn't listen to the first episode, my uh, son was rushed to the hospital at three days old for jaundice, for pretty severe jaundice, um, which was really traumatizing and really scary. And I know people go through so much worse, but in the moment it was so hard and it brought up so much for me. And, uh, that experience really kind of triggered um, my postpartum anxiety to the max. I really lost my confidence. And um, after, you know, the first week or so, that's when I reached out to my doctor. Um, And the first 12 weeks of an infant's life are just, as far as my experience, it was just absolutely so intense. And so I want to talk about that because some things to note, uh, I, I did, I do have maternity leave. So the, I work for a local soup kitchen here in Brooklyn and we have a really wonderful maternity leave plan. And that was actually one of the reasons why I joined, uh, because I just felt like, oh, they respect the fact that, um, people are having children and are supporting them. Uh, so this is very indicative of a supportive environment in my opinion. So I want to share what my maternity leave plan is like. If you have more leave, that is amazing. Um, If you have less leave, I would encourage you to advocate for more leave where you can. Um, If you're listening to this and you do not have a child and you work in a space that does not have a maternity leave plan, I would highly encourage you to advocate for a maternity leave plan. It is so necessary and the people who are having children in your workplace will respect you so much more and respect that workplace so much more if you are setting them up with a substantial maternity leave plan that will help support them in those first few months of their child's life. So if you um, have that opportunity to advocate for that, do it. A lot of places, a lot of workplaces um, don't have standard leave and their uh, their maternity leave is classified as short-term disability leave. Um, having a child is not a disability. <laughs> um, and so it, it just, I absolutely believe that there should be um, standard paid 
maternity uh, leave, paternity leave across the board in the United States. That's a much longer conversation, much deeper conversation, but it is so necessary, um, especially after going through this process during COVID. It is absolutely needed. So if you have that opportunity to advocate for it, please do. My maternity leave plan at work uh, is a total of 16 weeks. Um, and I had 12 weeks that I was required to take consecutively. So I had to take 12 weeks consecutively. And then the last four weeks I could break up into, um, you know, however I wanted. I could take a day here, a week here, you know, that process is how it works in my workplace. So I knew that I would have 12 weeks of maternity leave for, you know, this new period in my life, which is really fantastic. I also had some PTO that I was able to use before and after my son was born. So that was really, really helpful as well. Um, so that is my experience. I am actually still using my maternity leave hours um, to work part time a couple days during the week. And uh, that has been exponentially helpful, especially because we do not have childcare right now uh, due to COVID. And we personally don't feel safe putting our son in childcare at the moment. Um, I think when people are more widely vaccinated and when, you know, there's, it's more of a normalcy to do things like this, we'll feel more comfortable with that. But just for us personally, we just don't feel comfortable putting him in childcare yet. And that is what we're choosing to do at the moment. So for my husband, I did want to talk about his, um, you know, leave options because my husband is a small business owner and um, it's pretty much him running his business and making things happen. And he is a woodworker. And so for him, he uh, his busy season is also during um, the Christmas and holiday season. So we had our son in September. So he was able to take a month off um, to be with Liam and myself. And then after that, he really did have to return to work to finish projects for folks, custom work, things like that. So I am grateful that I did have a month um, where my partner could be at home and we could find a rhythm. I know that there are a lot of um, people out there who don't even have that much time where their partner can stay at home um, and be there. Or maybe you have a, you know, a partner who can be there um, throughout this entire period, which is wonderful. So our experience was not, um, you know, we did not have equal amounts of leave time. So since I had more leave during those first three months, um, for the last two months, I was on more of a childcare duty, but I want to talk to you about what our schedule looked like. Um, and this is just what we decided to do. So I feel like this is important to talk about because I have heard people taking care of their kids in so many different ways and setting up so many different schedules for how they're, uh, you know, managing childcare. And I want to share ours. And I would just ask that you, you know, refrain from judging us for any of our scheduling, but this is what's worked for us. Um, we are very much like 50-50 parents. Um, for half of the week, I'm taking care of Liam. For the other half of the week, uh, my husband is taking care of Liam. And then on Sundays, we have 
those days is our family days. But before we initiated that schedule, we um, realized that we both really needed sleep during this time. Um, We both really needed to make sure that we were able to rest and that we were able to be there for our son as much as possible. And uh, I also want to mention that after his first week of life, we have a small um, apartment here in Brooklyn. And so we were all like camping out in the living room because our bed was a bit too high for me to get into comfortably um, for the first like week or so. And so we were, you know, really trying to camp out in the the living room with Liam in his bassinet. And then after about a week or so, we just realized like, this is not going to work. <laughs> He's going to need to go in his crib. And so ultimately what we decided to do was have Liam sleep in his crib. Um, we do have a video monitor on him. And so from the first week of his life, Liam has been sleeping in his crib. I know um, a lot of people will have their child sleep right next to them um, in a bassinet or in the same room in a bassinet, or maybe some people co-sleep. Um, for us, the best decision was to put him in his own room in his crib after about a week. And that was actually super um great for us because then that meant our room was a space where we could just sleep and um, the living room was a space where we could, you know, coexist and have uh, a designated space for us and uh, for all of us. And so what we eventually ended up doing and what we realized was in order for us to sleep, um, we really needed to take shifts. So during the day, I ended up being on shift to take care of Liam for about, um, you know, six to eight hours, depending on the day. And then at night, my husband would be up um, working and he would be watching Liam and feeding him throughout the night. So that was how we decided to do it. We would have a crossover period in the afternoon where we would spend time as a family. Um, Pretty much from 1030 to 630, I would be asleep. And then my husband would be up and taking care of Liam. And then during the day from 630 to like 330, I would be taking care of him. So that was actually really hard. Um, It was, I, we, have talked now and we would not do that again. Um, but it really was just out of necessity because we didn't have any childcare and we also, um, we needed to take care of ourselves in order to function. And if somebody else was able to come over and help us, if someone was able to, you know, just take care of Liam for just a little bit or like hold him for a bit, maybe that would be different. But for us, this is what we decided would be best. And um, that actually really helped in regard to Liam's sleep because we were able to put him on a schedule and he naturally fell into sleeping more and more. Um, So for people out there who are wondering what I was doing, you know, for night feedings or nursing, we ended up feeding Liam formula at night. Um, And I was pumping at night to get, um, you know, to maintain my milk supply. But I do think my milk supply did take a hit because I was sleeping longer hours, which, you know, was not great, but I was able, I still am, you know, producing milk and feeding um, Liam at least three meals a day um, with breast milk. So I do feel good about that. But I do know that um, 
for us, that was just the best decision. You know, it was, we were in survival mode and being able to sleep um, was really important. I will say, even though I um, had the time to sleep and my husband really wanted to make sure that I could have that time so I could heal and my body could heal. Um, Because of my postpartum anxiety, I woke up constantly. So uh, I was not well rested whatsoever. Um, I would wake up and check the monitor to make sure Liam was okay all the time. Um, I would wake up at random intervals and um, it, it was still incredibly hard and incredibly draining because, you know, I still couldn't sleep very well. And, you know, I still have those moments, you know, last night, I think I woke up like three times and checked in on him on the monitor. And so that's something that I'm still dealing with and that I'm still working through. And I think that's pretty normal for uh, parents out there. Um, But for us, that was what worked. And something else that's worked really well is um, developing a schedule for Liam. So uh, we learned about, you know, what a normal wake window is for a baby his age. You know, how long is he supposed to be awake? And um, at what times do these wake windows stretch? And, you know, how long is a typical nap for him? And how can we practice different ways of putting him to sleep and that really has been the battle of of uh, I feel like so many parents know this but really getting him to go to sleep um, during the day uh, has been a battle for us nonstop and so those first 12 weeks um, I was really on you know, for the first month, my husband and I were doing this like night shift, day shift thing. And after two months, we started sleeping at the same time. And it was wonderful. (laughs) But also after two and a half months, my son started sleeping through the night, um, which was absolutely incredible. And I was really um, very intense about his sleep. Um, really having him on a schedule, um, sticking to wake windows, really trying to get him to nap during the day, um, and setting up a routine at night. Um, And it was such a battle. It still is such a huge battle for naps. But I have found that monitoring his day sleep and um, that has really helped lengthen his night sleep. Um, That is something that was really helpful for us. Every person's child is different. um, And what your child does is going to be totally different than what my child does. But what we found was having him take four naps a day um, in the beginning for the first like 12 months uh, or for 12 months for the first 12 weeks um, was really helpful. And he used to wake up. He started waking up three to four times at night but then that went down to three that went down to two that went down to one and now he doesn't wake up throughout the night so um, he does wake up to like shift and stuff but um, for the most part he sleeps through the night Um, he does have his moments where he wakes up you know at like four or five and uh, those days are super fun but for the most part making sure his daytime sleep was you know, something we worked on has been really, really helpful for us. And if you are a parent and you're listening to this, um, I would definitely do your research on, you know, any 
schedules out there or any um, sleep tips that you um, want to find. It is super, super helpful for us and or it has been super helpful for us to just find resources and make sure that we can communicate with our baby that like now is the time to sleep and here's a here's a routine on like how we're going to wind down and um, those things have been so so essential um so the first you know 12 weeks were really rough because i was doing a lot of child care on my own and my husband was doing a lot of child care on his own um and again if we had more people here that probably would not have been the case and i found myself really craving community I have, you know, talked to other people who didn't want anyone around and who, you know, just wanted to do their own thing. But for me, I really, really craved community, especially because during the day I was just with Liam, you know, while my husband was resting. And um, that was something that was really hard for me. So a lifeline for me to this day has been FaceTiming my family every single day. And I am just so grateful that I was born in a period where uh, technology was prominent and where FaceTime exists and uh, my family can see him grow and we can connect Um, because my mom just this past weekend, my son is six months old and this is the first time my mom this past weekend has met him. And she's the second member of my family to meet him. And so this whole process of, um, you know, bringing a child into this world has been so shaped by this pandemic. Uh, Something else to know is during the day, I'm not seeing friends, like people aren't coming over. We're not going to places. It's uh, just me and my kid. And we're, you know, figuring out daytime sleep and schedules. And, you know, if, if he's not napping, you really don't get time for yourself. And so that's something that, um, you know, was really challenging. That's something totally different. And by time to myself, I mean, like taking a shower, (laughs) eating lunch, like making myself some food, um, washing my clothes, you know, like basic things that you really are very much used to doing. And I didn't really have anyone around to help with those things either because my husband and I, uh, just a reminder, we're splitting this time and just trying to take care of him to the best of our ability. Um, and so that, you know, that, that period was really rough and it was really hard and, um, it's, it's a lot. And, even just going outside for a walk the first time with Liam by myself, I remember talking to the um, psychiatrist that I'm still seeing about it and being really afraid to do that. Um, because when you leave the house with a baby, it's not just leaving the house. It's, you know, do they have clothes on? Have you changed the diaper? Should we bring the diaper bag? Um, what are we carrying him in? Uh, are we bringing the stroller? Um, you know, does he have food in case he gets hungry? Okay, now we have to bring the stroller down the stairs. Okay, I'm going to strap him in. Like, uh, what time is it? Because he's going to have to go down for a nap. Or what time is it? Because he's going to have to eat. Like, there are just so many factors that go into simply stepping out of your house with a child. And um, once again, I just feel so strongly that people need to know about this stuff uh, because, you know, 
if you are thinking about having a kid, you should know everything that goes into it. And I think there's this picture that we're painting of postpartum that is this like, oh, birds and fairies and trees and stardust and everything's beautiful. And it is beautiful. So much of it's beautiful. There, I have spent hours just staring at my son and hours trying to get him to sleep. And then I go in the other room and I just pull up pictures of him and video of him when I have just a moment to myself. I'm like, oh, I just want to look at him. And the smell of your baby is like nothing else. It's the best smell in the world. And when he smiled at me for the first time, it's the best feeling in the world. Like it really is the best thing I've ever done in my life. And it's also the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I, I just firmly believe we need to know everything that goes into it. Um, and you can hear people talk about it, but once you are experiencing it, then you actually really fully understand what this means. Um, so something that I also want to mention in all of this is um, postpartum care for your lady bits and for your birthing bits. That sounds so disgusting. Why did I just say that? Dear God. Um, anyway, for um, you uh, care for my vagina. Let's just be clear. So um, during this time uh, in postpartum, I touched on this during the uh, part one episode of postpartum. But during this time, I um, after birth, one bleeds uh, excessively. So um, for the first six weeks, I I would say for the first four weeks, I was bleeding very consistently. Um, and I remember after eight weeks, or after six weeks, the bleeding really died down. Um, but then there were periods of time where it would like, I would get like a new, um, like I would be bleeding again and I would get freaked out and reach out to my OB and she'd be like, oh no, this is a period where your uterine lining like sheds some more. Like this is a period where your placenta like is really detaching and like healing. Um, because when you give birth and you give birth to your placenta, um, your placenta detaches and it's it, basically you have a big wound in your body. Your body is healing. And, um, so something that I was told to watch out for were um, uh, was clotting. So if you have clots that are the size of a golf ball or larger, you need to go to the emergency room. Um, and then if you fill up, um, you know, a pad within two hours, like if you're really filling up a pad within two hours, you need to go to the emergency room. Um, I reached out to my OB if I ever had concerns about that. So um, I would definitely recommend reaching out to your doctor if you have any concerns over how much bleeding you have or, you know, if you have clotting. Um, I did have a small clotting and I had one like maybe um, nickel size clot that freaked me out a bit. Um, but I just had a lot of bleeding and um, that tapered off pretty naturally. But for, I would say around like eight weeks um, up to 12 weeks, actually, I was bleeding pretty consistently on and off. Um, and I mentioned this in the last episode, but you're not, um, you know, for the first six weeks, you're really not supposed to use toilet paper. You're supposed to use a peri bottle 
to help spray water um, on your vagina and on your, you know, genitalia. And I had stitches because I tore, so I was needing to be really thorough about washing. Um, and something that really helped me was having um, some of Liam's baby wipes in the bathroom. Um, so that really helped when I started wiping again um, delicately. So if you are going through this and you're not sure how to navigate it, um, definitely having after I would say a, a couple weeks having some baby wipes there, um, it was really really helpful for me personally. Um, also, if you are um, using a peri bottle, just make sure you're refilling it every single time because the worst thing is going to the bathroom and looking over and your peri bottle's not full. And you're like, God damn it, I just want to like get this done so I can go take care of my screaming baby. Um, so that is something I would definitely say as a pro tip. Um, and then something else is I created Padsicles. So um, Padsicles are a really quirky name for um, basically a pad that is supposed to soothe your swollen vagina after you give birth. So I um, put aloe vera and witch hazel on a long like overnight pad and froze it and I didn't use them. <laughs> um, I ended up just using regular pads and then also this um, great company called the Honey Pot has postpartum pads that I ended up using and they were really soothing as well. So I would definitely recommend using the Honey Pot. Um, I think I actually did use one padsicle and it was really great. I just, in the moment, I just never reached for them and I only made like six of them um, because of that reason. So uh, yeah, if you want to make them and they're great for you, do it. Awesome. Um, for me, I think I use like one of them. So that was my experience with that. Um, and I really was very afraid to look at and touch my vagina for quite some time. Um, that was really hard and scary. And, um, Something that was very helpful when it came to like washing um, and showering uh, was I have a shower with a remo removable nozzle head. And so for me, that was really helpful um, to be like more delicate when showering. And I am just being super transparent because I just feel like if you're listening to this, this might be very helpful for you. Um, and if you're, you know, not knowledgeable about what goes into all of this, that also might be helpful for you. Something that's really important to know is when you give birth and you push a baby out, um, your bones separate. <laughs> so your pelvic bone like stretches and is coming back um, into place and uh, your muscles, your pelvic floor is stretching and coming back into place. Um, my pelvic floor um, is apparently still quite strong, according to my doctor. Um, I do want to go see a pelvic floor specialist just um, to, you know, see if that is the case. I know a pelvic floor specialist has been really, really helpful for so many people out there. So um, I would definitely look into that if you're feeling really overwhelmed or, or if you're not feeling so hot. Something that I had when I was pregnant was pelvic girdle pain. So my pelvis just felt like it was shattering all the time. Um, and that has gone away. Thank 
good. I just truly felt like that would never go away. Um, but it did. And, um, I was actually really surprised at how quickly I could get up and walk around. Um, for me, pregnancy was really horrible and it was really hard. And, um, I couldn't even bend down to get like an ice cube out of, I have a um, freezer on the bottom of the fridge, so I couldn't even get like ice cubes out or pick up a towel or anything like that. So I remember the first time I was able to pick up a towel or pick up something um, from the ground, I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, because pregnancy was really, really rough for me. And so just being able to walk and not feel like my body was being ripped apart was amazing. And, um, you know, after birth, I was actually really surprised at how quickly I could walk um, normally again. Um, so for me, that was really great. Um, stretching, like finding yoga videos where I could gently stretch was wonderful. Um, I would definitely recommend waiting six weeks to do any sort of exercise. I did really gentle stretches because breastfeeding um, and pumping uh, are really not great for your posture sometimes. Um, so for me, I just felt like I needed to stretch out those areas of my body, like my shoulders and my back and things. Also, you're holding a baby all the time and rocking a baby all the time. And so your back, you know, your core has kind of been um, not in use for some time. So your back is sometimes doing a lot of the the makeup work over here um, to support you and so just having a time to stretch is really great I literally cannot wait for the day when I can go to get go to get a massage again um, I'm counting down the days to, <laughs> to be able to go get a massage um so I would also say that my son classified as um, a pretty high needs baby um, he wasn't clingy per se, like a lot of people say, but he, um, he was, I would say a bit colicky. Um, he cried a lot, a ton, um, and really wanted people near him. He had a really, really hard time falling asleep, um, on his own. And, um, that is super normal for a child, but I do remember around week seven, from week seven to 10, he was really, really difficult. Um, and I heard online this phrase where people will say, oh, you either have a dragon baby or a unicorn baby. And a lot of my friends or people around me seem to have unicorn babies. And I have a fire breathing dragon. Still, to this day, I definitely have a dragon. Um, and no one is, no child is better than the other in regard to that. Um, you know, whether being you're a unicorn or a dragon, um, I'm actually really grateful for my son because he's taught me patience and I know so many ways on how to soothe a baby. <laughs> and um, so that has, you know, it's definitely such a wild process. Um, in general, but physically, um, postpartum is a trip. I mean, you're rocking a baby, you're, it, it's just wild that they're like, don't exercise or don't move that much, but like your baby requires movement to be soothed or requires movement to, um, you know, 
be nourished and it's it's something that is just innately a part of motherhood in my experience and I just remember walking back and forth through my apartment at like 3 a.m over and over and over again while rocking my baby so he could sleep and fall asleep and um, that's just something that you know I did right after giving birth and it you know, I feel very lucky that I could do that because I know if you have a C-section, that's not always the case. Um, but this is just my experience. I don't really know, you know, anything other than my own experience um, besides what uh, my friends have talked to me about. Um, and for uh, breastfeeding and for the process of breastfeeding, I found that to be incredibly challenging. I truly have no idea how women have breast have like breastfed for so long and and so successfully like it is so hard and um for me it was also a bit traumatizing uh because when i had initially been breastfeeding my son he ended up in the hospital because he wasn't getting enough milk so for us what really worked um i would you know continue to try and nurse him but we do not nurse anymore um just because he he really was not super into it. And um, we tried and tried and tried. And um, I just felt like he wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. And so now I exclusively pump. And so I'm still breastfeeding because um, pumping is breastfeeding. And so I exclusively pump him for him and we supplement with formula. And um, I really like it. Pumping can be super annoying <laughs> sometimes, but I pump throughout the day. And um, that also is a huge challenge to pump throughout the day, um, especially when your baby takes short naps so my son is like the king of short naps if we get a nap over 30 minutes we are like wow this is amazing and our nap is just like rarely seen in our house um so that means uh the time to ourselves is kind of short and sweet and uh breastfeeding and and breast pumping are done during naps but something that was so helpful that i mentioned um, in the last episode was just having one of those little hand pumps um, that I can utilize. I do have the LV, um, but it's not as great as I thought it would be. It's, I, I believe it's really great for travel um, or when you're, um, you know, kind of sitting on the couch <laughs> and, you know, you have that time. Um, I found in order to like multitask uh, the suction, just like for me personally, wasn't as great as um, my other breast pump. I have the Spectra. And for me, the LV um, just took a really long time to get the amount of milk that I would usually get out of like a Spectra um, or my hand pump. Uh, so I will probably use it while traveling on the road. Um, I'm sure it will be really great. And if you don't know what an LV is, it is a um, wireless pump, basically, what you can place on your breast oh hey Chuck um that you can place on your on your breasts and um it you can put it inside your bra and so you you don't have to worry about being connected to any um larger pumping mechanism and so it's really great um but for me it was it, it's it's a bit more challenging than I thought it would be and sometimes when I would put the parts in it just wasn't you know operating 
as well as I thought it would. So for me, it's kind of a here and there pump, um, but I really like the Spectra and I really like the hand pump as well. Um, so that is, you know, kind of uh, how breastfeeding is going for us now, but even getting into a rhythm of that and getting into a rhythm of feeding him um, regularly and having him go down for naps and figuring out what do you do with a two week old? Like what, how, how do you entertain a two week old? What do you do with a four week old? Like what sort of activities do you do? Those are things that I just never really thought about. (laughs) And um, so if you have uh, a baby on the way, or if you're listening to this and you have a baby, um, a newborn baby, you know, uh, I would honestly recommend going on YouTube and looking up like activities for a week old baby, activities for a two week old. Um, What I found uh, in those first 12 weeks was just playing with him um, just the two of us and with various toys, um, and tummy time were great activities. And, um, my son hates tummy time with a fiery burning passion. He still does. Um, and yet it is the thing that we are required to do with him the most because unfortunately my son has a flat head. (laughs) Um, so my son developed plagiocephaly. And something I wanted to talk about during this is the fact that he is like a little statue kid when he was sleeping for the first 12 weeks. So um, for safe sleep recommendations, you're supposed to swaddle your baby and um, safely place them on their back in their crib or their bassinet. And my son, when he fell asleep, he would just not move his head from side to side. He would just sleep on his back with his head um, you know, in one position really would not move his head side to side. And so unfortunately after some time, his head started getting flat. And so that has been a battle that we've been having to, um, you know, cope with. And I believe we're probably going to get him a helmet to be honest, because, um, he has been improving, but we just want to be safe. And, um, obviously he's totally safe. And when, a child develops plagiocephaly, it does not affect their development. But for us, um, we're just thinking about in the future, you know, would he appreciate the fact that we, you know, had a little bit more therapy for him, but he goes to physical therapy every single week and we do tummy time with him extensively and do different activities, um, repositioning, all of those things, um, to help him shape his head a bit more. And I will say now that he has been rolling consistently, he sleeps on his tummy a lot and he sleeps on his side a lot as well. So he rolls from back to tummy all the time and, um, from tummy to back, but that has been kind of like also a saga for us. Um, after month three, it was really like, okay, now we've got to work on this particular thing. Um, as I'm wrapping up, I do want to talk about the schedule that my husband and I have now. So after 12 weeks, I returned back to work and I started to return part-time for the month of December when I was going back, um, you know, to remote working. I work remotely still. Uh, and for me, it is a double-edged sword where it's wonderful to see my son every single day and to be able to walk down the hall and give him a kiss. But it's also very hard if my son is upset and I can hear him and I'm biologically attuned to run down the hall and, you know, make sure he's okay. So that's been a huge battle. 
uh, in making sure that I can kind of like separate myself from that. Um, and I don't sometimes. I tend to run down the hall and make sure he's okay. Uh, but for me, that's been something I'm trying to work on um, as I'm home. And so I work three days full time throughout the week and two days part time. So my husband works three days full time and um, two days and he actually works, um, no, he works three days full time and he works two days in the afternoon part time. Yes. Okay. My brain paused for a moment there. So we tend to switch off at 5 p.m. every night. Um, my husband will go to his shop to do some work um, and I'll put Liam to bed. And then when we switch off for me, I will do work and he'll put Liam to bed. So, um, we have created a schedule that works really well for us and on Sundays we have our family days where we're all together and um, if you have something that's totally different uh, that's great and if that works for you awesome if it doesn't work for you like if you're listening to this and you want more support from your partner if you want more childcare, if you you know want just more support in general I would encourage you to ask for that I would encourage you to really talk to your partner and ask for more support and figure out a way to be more supported or to support your partner more. Um, I feel like having one person um, in charge of childcare, if that works for you, that's great. For us, that did not work for us. Um, And that's just not an option for us. Uh, And for me as a mother, it is really, really important that I work on my self-care and my goals and my career. And if that is something that is important to you, I would encourage you to talk to your partner about that. Have an open dialogue with your partner because I did with mine and it was very, very um, important that I make that known. So if you want to make that known, then I would do that. (laughs) And um, if you want to talk about that, I'm more than happy to talk uh, with anybody who's kind of struggling potentially in having that conversation with their partner or struggling to figure out a schedule. Um, For us, what we did is we sat down and we pulled out a weekly calendar and we time blocked all of our hours um, because we both need to make sure we're working and we both need to make sure that we're uh, taking care of our son. So that really is what worked for us and it continues to work. It makes me um, have the ability to do this and to have my full-time job. And, uh, you know, I have so many goals and um, aspirations that I want to be doing right now. And so it's really, really important to me to be able to do that. And being able to manage this in a pandemic is really, really hard. (laughs) And there are moments where my husband and I will sit down and we'll be like, can you even imagine if we had somebody that just came over here and like watched our baby for us? Like, can you even imagine what that would feel like? Like giving our baby to somebody so they could watch them for like an hour or two while we both worked or while we both did something. And We just really, truly cannot imagine what that feels like right now. And so if you have that, like, awesome. I can't wait for that day because it's going to be really cool. But I'm very proud of us for figuring out what has uh, worked for us and what we can do right now. So um, I think I'm going to end it there. If you have any questions, I am more than happy to follow up on my postpartum experience. If I missed anything, I'm more than happy to talk about it too. Um... 
I, you know, I'm happy to do like a Q&A episode if you have anything that's coming up. If you want to share your experiences with me, I would love to hear uh, what has worked well for you in your postpartum period. Um, or if you're nervous about this period, um, I'm more than happy to answer any questions there too. I just feel like it's something we should definitely continue to talk about and something that should not be taboo to talk about. If you're struggling and you're a new mom, you should be able to say that and um, talk about it and really get more support. And you're doing an absolutely incredible job. And if you need to talk to somebody, I'm always here. So thank you for joining me for this solo episode. Um, well, I just ramble and try and remember what my postpartum period was like. And I hope this was helpful for you. Um, and it really is such a unique, wonderful time in your life, but it's also challenging as fuck. So, uh, I see you. I hear you. If you need that support, I'm here and, um, you're doing an amazing job. Uh, all right. I will see you guys next week and, um, your story matters. You matter. I just can't thank you enough for being here. Have a beautiful day.